Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another Fearless Friday. I hope you guys are having a great day. Today I treated myself by currently having a glass of rosé and Mimosa, I guess it's a mix of two, but I needed a drink. It was one of them type of weeks, so bear with me, guys. But um, I hope everyone is having a good day. Today, I have a special guest with me. Um, I admire him dearly as a friend. He is no stranger to putting pen to paper or giving a good read if necessary. Um Michael is a Houston-bred, Howard University-educated writer currently living in Harlem. He often covers issues related to culture, sexuality, religion, race, and, of course, Queen Bee. Um, His notable publications and appearances have been on Ebony.com, TheRoot.com, MSNBC, uh, Deces and Merrill, Complex, just to name a few. Currently, Michael is in process of releasing his first book, I Can't Date Jesus, which really, which will release next year. Thank you, Mr. Michael Arsenault, for joining me today on the Fearless Kia podcast. Thank you for having me. That was such a nice intro. You know, I had to make sure I got it yes. all. You do so much. Nope. Well, I ain't shit to my student loan lenders, so I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> Although I gave them some money today, so maybe they'll leave me alone. Um. <laughs> so I usually like to start the show with the question of what did you do today to treat yourself? Uh... I've done nothing yet, yet, but, well, no, I turned on the news and I watched Michael Flynn. That actually brought me some joy. Okay. And then maybe I'll, like, smoke something later in honor of, like, the good news because the sky is still falling everywhere else. But, yes, Thank I'll God do that. Thank God it's Friday. A good yes. TGIF, huh? So... Today, I would like to talk to you about what your deepest fear is. I know prior to us um, actually jumping on the mic here, uh, it was one particular fear in general, but it has now switched. So I would love for you um, to kind of tell, tell everyone that's listening what your deepest fear is. Oh, yeah. Well, my deepest fear initially was saying like dying poor, but I actually don't. I mean, that... I'm not I'm not poor now. I'm not going to die poor. I just um my greatest fear is kind of like a fear of failure. I think that was more kind of like applicable. Um that encompasses kind of like everything. The right. reason why I initially went with the dying poor thing is because I think of somebody like Zora Neale Hurston who did not die with a lot of money. She actually mm-hmm. only was kind of popular and profitable long after she died so I sometimes always in the back of my mind wonder if that is something that will happen to me and so that was the initial thing but I think ultimately like it's that fear of like in my mind of failing so yes that is the fear I feel like failure is such a um for many people a a deepest fear and I wonder what got you to that point or what makes you think that you would fail um seeing that you accomplished so much so far in your career yes uh and see this is actually um (laughs) kind of why it it took a minute to actually get me to sit down and do this so we'll just put that out there (laughs) it's also because i have just been spent several months writing a book largely about fear and Mm -hmm. overcoming fear and trauma so i already hadn't been in a good place to be talking about fear because i also don't really live in i mean fear 
fears follow everyone. Nobody is kind of like impervious to like that kind of feeling. But um, for me, I kind of just already did like this exhaustive emotional stuff. So I didn't want to kind of like settle on that. I try to kind of just keep going. But I think the problem sometimes is just continuously always going is that you're not actually tackling what's bothering you. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I should have realized because like, Nigga, you just wrote a whole book about overcoming certain stuff because you didn't face it for so long. I think, um, to be blunt, uh, I live in New York City. I work in media. I've done some nice things that I'm proud of, but um, I wrestle with always feeling like I am chasing a dream that's not for people like me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't come from money. I'm the first to, like, go away, go to school. Um, no one knows, kind of, can really understand what industry I work in. It's something I really don't even know. Um, and frankly, even trying to write a book, I, and people were, like, my agent would email me about stuff. I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, like, because I don't come from a place of, like, well, people just get book deals and they know what that's like. Um, so yeah, I think I just, kind of like most people, would want to be, feel, feel a little bit more secure, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm getting there. I mean, I am getting there, but, you know, I sacrificed a lot. I wasn't encouraged to go away from school because we couldn't really afford it. So I won some scholarships, but I also took on a lot of debt. Um, and that bothers me, the way I which I funded it, like the private loans, that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, I don't know. It's also sometimes about perspective, which people are kinder to me than I often can sometimes be kinder kind to myself Uh, I'm proud of certain a lot of things that I've done but I tend to always kind of move the goalposts so like nothing ever is enough it always has to be like quickly like okay I've done this and let me go to the next because like already I just sent the first draft of the book and I'm actually very excited that people will get to read it and I'm already prepared to beg everybody like an R&B track to (laughs) pre-order it so I can make you know the bestseller list and all that great shit but I'm already in my mind thinking about okay what are the next three things I want to do with this book and I think me, I have to learn to slow down and to actually take a moment to be like, I did this. This is a good thing. Own that. Celebrate and not be that. so quick to move and actually celebrate it and then be so quick to move on. Because I think when you're so quick to move on, you're never satisfied. And never being satisfied is actually partially why that underlying mm. fear kind of always pops up and kind of leaves me like in not a great state every so often. Is there also a fear of the of instability? Because I think you mentioned that. A little yeah well, yeah, I don't really work in a stable industry i I've always functioned as like a a contractor freelancer, and that's and a lot of people think that was by choice, but when I graduated, it was two thousand seven, the great recession had just happened what was happening um and then the media industry was imploding because no one had really prepared for digital. And right. so a lot of people I grew up admiring who made all of this money. Like, there was a specific path that you were supposed to take. You go to college. Sometimes you don't even finish. I had to finish because by then you needed to get a degree no matter what. Um, you take a job that probably don't pay shit, and then you work your way up, and then you make the money you're supposed to get. But when that imploded because that business model was old, that was gone. So people I know have been making, like, an obscene amount of money were asked out. Didn't know what they were doing. And I, you know, I've been fortunate to see some people rebound, but I've seen other people who have not. And so I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, like, I don't want to stay in this hustle. I want to not only reach my full potential creatively, but 
exceed my earning potential and diversify my income and not be so um, bound to making money from just words, at least not making money from words in the industry I currently work in. And so this year was really interesting because I was um, I was up for a lot of jobs and they didn't work out. I was at the beginning of the year, I was up for an on-air role, somebody mm-hmm. I met a decade ago, very a now powerful person. Um, he was powerful back then, but not to the extent he is now. Hit me out of the blue and asked me about an on-air role for a show. Um, I did it. Got a call back. He really wanted me. The network didn't. Um, that bothered me. And then I did get a book deal. But when I got the book deal, to be blunt, um, I felt a little lowball just because I had been... Going on all of... Because I've been wanting a book deal for, like, years. I will say right now it's a perfect time to be... Not a perfect, but it's an ideal time to be a black person trying to get a book. It had not been for the last four, five, six, seven years. Um, And so it's... I won't say easy. Well, yeah, it is kind of easier for some people right now because it's a more... It's a better market. But when I was trying to do it, it was not. And even as recent as late last year, I was having all these meetings with people who... Kind of were like, well, I really, really like you. I love you. This is so great. Like, it's it's interesting to always be told, like, a polite no. It's basically like, oh, you're cute, but I don't want to fuck. <laughs> and so when people tell you, like, oh, you're cute, but I, I don't really want to smash, then I'm like, then why am I here? Right. Why, why did we be And so people were literally just saying, like, it's not you. It's just a version of you that you're trying to sell yourself. So that was frustrating. So when I did get my book deal, I actually did not celebrate it the way... I should have. I think even my agent and my editor were more excited than me. It was very anticlimactic. And even in writing the book, um, well, trying to write the book and still actually be writing for a living, there were two different TV shows that um, approached me to write. And one just didn't work out, which is fine, um, because maybe we just didn't really align, because mm-hmm. there's that. Because that kind of happened out of the blue. And then literally... Days before my book was due, my first draft, and I only had asked for a week. Um, well, I asked for two weeks extra, and I only ended up getting like a week, which is fine because I made my deadline. But another show from someone well known who I actually really like, they came to me about potentially writing for the show, but they wanted some packet in like 48 hours over the weekend, and my book was due like two days later, so I couldn't. Mm. Like, I, gotta, I was like, I need to get my book done, and I think. That and then some other stuff. So there's been a lot of distractions. Like, people have come up to me for a lot of stuff and it hasn't worked out. And that's annoying. With that tug and pull between the idea, and I'm going to assume, and you can speak on it, that you want to do more on-air stuff versus um, where you started your career in writing. With that tug and pull and the emotional roller coaster up and down of okay, we want you to come in and audition for this role on air and then it doesn't yeah. come through. How was that for you? Um, how were you, how did you deal with that? Because I know that that is something that is a passion of yours that you would like to step into. Uh, some of the stuff, it was kind of like, okay, well, I didn't, you came to me, it's fine. Um, other stuff where people came to me and I was actually very interested in it and like spent months because um, there was something else that came up that... Um, from a company that approached me, like I was annoyed because I spent the summer basically producing something that didn't happen, and I realized that time could have been better spent just working on my book right. or making money somewhere else. So that was that was annoying. Do you um, feel like those things 
hit you from a value standpoint where you feel like you don't value who I am as a person and want to bring it to the table because you said like a lot of um, times you would go in there and be like, we like you and this is nice, but what you're trying to give us is not what's working for our like network well, at the, the time. Well, the continuing pattern of my life personally and professionally I've noticed is that people like me, they don't always know what to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is... Uh, an uh, that's frustrating, but it's fun. I mean, it's not fun. I mean, it, it's fun because it's it, it just is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I'm, it I'm. Piss me off. It does piss me off. It does. I think I, I'm actually excited about my book because I think that is me being myself, and then it's gonna be one of the. the I think maybe the, really like the first real opportunity. Maybe not the first, but like the first in this big way where. You don't have to pretend you don't know what to do with me because I've just given you literally words. Here's an entire book. This right. is what to do with me because this is who I am. I don't versus you trying to figure it out because I think even with the book thing, it was like, oh, we really like you, but you know, you need to turn up. Basically, they wanted me more like of a sad gay, and then somebody, some other publisher wanted me like be more political. I'm like, I don't want to be the Bernie Sanders for sissies. So they I don't. you be a sad gay or a political gay? Everyone has like an idea. Like a lot of times when people say they want diversity, they want, they want other, and I put that in quotes, mm-hmm. but they want other in the context of how they know how to deal with it. So it's like, for me, I think when gay black man writing memoir, I think, and some of the themes in the book are dark. A lot of my background is dark. But I'm not writing it in a way, or at least I didn't attempt to, I guess what readers would say, I didn't want to write it in a way that made it seem like I was trying to be sad. Don't get me wrong, there is um, merit in being sad. There's, there's, there's a lot of reason to be sad, but I didn't want to offer what I felt like was another pathological narrative. I wanted to like, at least talk about what it means to be black and gay, what kind of like nuance, the way kind of like white gay men get to be funny and sad and fucked up but like hilarious about it whereas we're often pushed to be kind of like more representative of everybody else right i didn't want like because even when i said the deal that was like somebody else like a very well at least in that world editor he wanted me to be something that i just do not want to be and right. so yeah it's it's yeah, it is frustrating. Let me. I'm gonna sip in a minute. But like that <laughs> that part is actually annoying. Um, but that being said, um, I'm not in the best headspace lately. It's sad. It's dark. Um, it's been a long year. But I am encouraged about next year, and I'm very right. proud of what I've turned in, and I'm about to start editing. But I'm proud of that. Um, and it'll be nice to actually. I hope I'm making it easier for the next. So nobody else has to go in this meeting like, well, can you be this? But no one white people, who knows? Um, <laughs> and some black people, no shade. Um, I actually heard worse shit from black people in publishing than I did white people. And how was that for you? Um, well, that was last year, but that was annoying as fuck. Um, a black woman flat out said, oh, this is... What did she tell my agent? No, basically she said in so many words that white people are too racist to read this, black people too homophobic. Two things I don't really agree. I mean, I agree about racism, but I don't think white people would be preventing. Because one thing as a freelancer, I write um, for black sites, white sites, queer sites, very 
male-focused sites. I've written for sports sites. I've written for every different type of site imaginable, at least English, and I'm myself in every one of those spaces. And so this idea that people don't can't relate to whatever I'm going to write is an assumption you know, I think I I mean I guess in her position maybe she felt in someone else um that they had to kind of protect their own necks cuz it's not that many black people in publishing so they didn't want to be the risky one but mm-hmm. yeah, no. And then someone black actually said what I'm doing has been done and my agent was like, "Really where?" So that was some hater shit, but it's right. fine. People abuse the word hater, but no, that was some hater shit. Right. And how do how do you navigate that black on black negativity at times particularly in our industry well i want to say like black people have been better to me than they have i mean black people have been mostly been like encouraging to me than they have not been Uh um have i been screwed over by some people who feel like they can only be one do you know some people feel a little they don't have that kind of allegiance that i maybe would think that we should all have at least if somebody's like talented um sure but more often than not, black people have been better to me than they haven't been. And I love black people. The niggas that didn't want to be, you know, whatever. I just have people to prove wrong next year. Right. Um, I mean, that's, and that's right. the like, attitude. It's not a take. black, white, it's not a race thing. Well, it's it, no, a, it, it's, it's annoying. Thing. No, it's annoying black people do it. <laughs> no, it is. Like, that's some bullshit. It's not, that's not that many of us. I think people get confused when they live like a bubble like New York. It's not really that many. And it's not even, even if you live in New York, if you really are looking, it's not that many of us in a lot of these spaces. So, yeah, like, I mean, that doesn't mean, like, blind allegiance. If you if somebody's whack, they whack. Right. And if you don't really like something, then sure. But I think, for me at least, the, the critiques were complimentary, but the dismissal nonsensical. Because if you like something that's much and you're kind of just making these excuses, then, yeah, you're a waste of my time. And that... I yeah, I feel my time being wasted more than I feel failure because that shit gets on my nerves. Right. I think the next thing I talk to you about is dealing with rejection. And so even in a cycle of your career and we discussed a little bit about feeling rejected or turned down for opportunities that some you were really excited about and some that came to your plate. How do you overcome that rejection? How do you move beyond that rejection? And also, have you seen similarities in what you experienced in your career life also trickle into your personal life? Um, Rejection is just painful all around. I mean, sometimes when people don't want you, I don't know, I was thinking like, teacher Moses said something like, people don't fool, be yourself, and if people don't fool with it, fuck them, be yourself. I agree with that, and that's the attitude I try to always kind of maintain when Mm -hmm. I'm rejected, but... Sometimes in the moment, it does bother you. It does hurt. It does sting. Um, and yeah, they're all kind of interrelated because I think for me, like I said, sometimes like people like me, they just don't know what to do with me. And so when you don't know what to do with somebody... I actually remember a couple of years ago, I was up for something and I, it was like some kind of... Somebody, some exec told me, it was like a whiteboard mm-hmm. and they were... When I had a, Whatever. Um, they were moving my name around in so many different boxes as to which one I could fit in, but they couldn't settle on one. So ultimately, I just got put in a pile to, of the nose because no one knew where to put me exactly. Which what for kind of shit is that? well, no, it was a specific type of show where they kind of wanted someone that fit certain parts. Okay. And for me, they they were like, oh, well, he could be political, but he talks about pop culture. Oh, but he's gay, but. 
he's black, but we have. So I think sometimes people not being able to just settle on one idea of what you are is a little okay. I don't. I just rather not deal with it. So, but why do you have to be put in such? Uh, well, narrow category. Like we are so we are multifaceted people. Like everybody has different. I agree, I agree, but TV TV moves very slow. Publishing moves even slower. Child. A lot of men out here are garbage as fuck. So, you know, everybody ain't as far along as some of us would like them to be. Um, and I have a ways to go in certain ways, but not necessarily in that respect. Um, the personal thing is. Uh, yeah, that always just sucks. Uh, sometimes it doesn't really matter in the end. Like that, some people are easier to get over than others. Um, and sometimes you just really don't want somebody anyway, and you just kind of like keeping space or warm. So, no. Nah. How how are you navigating like your dating personal? What's a date? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how are you navigating that um, with everything that you're juggling right now? Well, I'm a mas- I'm a masochist, so I'm not a really good person to ask a question about dating. Uh, <laughs> I. But there may be somebody out there that identifies the same in the same regard as you. Um, is there someone I'm interested in? Sure. Is that gonna work out? Mm, it's looking like no. Um, or at least not anytime soon. So that's not really a, a real option. Uh. But I'm also kind of... I mean, it would be nice to have somebody, finally. Because um, that, that is part of my failure of, like, being alone. Mm. Or, like, getting to that point where, like, I'm really... I'm having what I want. I don't have anybody around me. But also, I don't know. In some respects, I've learned to be very comfortable with myself. I am comfortable being alone. I am fulfilled. I know how to be fulfilled within just what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a relationship and whatever would be like a bonus. I do not have my bonus right now. Um, so, uh, but I'm also kind of not, I'm leaning towards kind of like putting that on ice for a minute. Because okay. I have a really, I really want my book to be successful. There are a lot of things I really want to do with the book. And I think for me, sometimes that type of stuff is a distraction. Mm. And I think some. Uh, I think growing up, I always saw it as a reaction. So I just kind of did not keep people around me, or did not really get close to anybody. And so sometimes I try to overcompensate from like making the mistake of being cold and distant. But I think in trying to overcompensate, then I've sometimes have allowed myself to be too caught up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I get a balance, I'll figure that out. But right now, I don't really have a balance, so I need to focus on what I can control. And I can control certain things professionally. And I think that really, really make me happy because, um, yeah, my book is my boyfriend right now. Okay. And that's fair. That's totally fair. Do you feel like you'll, do, you said you're comfortable with being alone, but you're not comfortable with being lonely. Well, being alone doesn't always make you lonely. I think the loneliness comes from like other stuff for me. Like it's not, okay. ne- loneliness, like, isn't spe- loneliness isn't specifically kind of like relegated to like relationships for me. Word. I think um, sometimes... You know, I have a good support system here, but, you know, like, even today, this morning, I had to specifically talk to a friend from back home who went to college, has a childhood as chaotic as mine, who understands sometimes why it's difficult for me to go home and be home for long periods of time, specifically in my home. Mm -hmm. Very few people understand what that's like. 
Um, and while, again, I got to make good friends here, there are certain people who don't get what I mean about specific struggles. And I don't necessarily like that in a financial way, but just like there are certain things that only certain people will get because they know what it's like. Right. And particularly they know they know me. Right. And they know me for like at least um, like almost 20 years. Right. So in that respect, being in New York and being far away from home and the hurricane happened mm-hmm. and... You know, my family sometimes not really knowing how to talk to me about my work, which is kind of really all I think about more often than not, because that's so it's consuming in that way. That part is lonely. Mm. You know, if you're talking about if my dick is dry and cold, that don't help either. But, you know, there are, there are ways around that. But, yeah. Yeah, sometimes only yeah. I'm like sometimes I'm alone. Like I mean, I'm single. I've always you know I'm usually single. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being alone. I'm, I'm single. Yeah, so no, like there are moments when like I don't have nobody in the orb my my orbit in that way, and I'm elated. And then yes. sometimes there is somebody, and I'm miserable. I think yeah, lonely and headaches. There's a spectrum and, too about it yeah. too. Because it's like sometimes, like you said, when you're later, it's like, oh, I got my space, I'm good, my guy's fine. But when somebody comes into it, you get annoyed. It would sometimes. be it would be very nice next year to become formally a New York Times bestselling author and have a boy around, so, a, a boy that's actually like mine, not a situation ship. Oh, so, so not a boy toy, not like a, a like a bo- like a boyfriend and something a like fr- that. Okay. Yeah, something like that or a boyfriend. You gotta claim it. Speak it. Claim it. Own it. I'd rather claim the New York Times uh, bestseller than the First. boyfriend. If the yeah. boyfriend comes, that'll be great. Well, I feel like, you know, as you continue to glow up, because you've already been doing so much in such a short time, like, the the playing field starts to change, too, and the type of people that you interact with that That's you know, actually, brings you a new plate of uh, options to well, explore. Uh, yeah, I'm actually... I'm in a weird space with that. Um, because... I'm not where I want to be, and I'm very self-critical, but I had to realize and be reminded that how I see myself is not how other people see me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when people interact with me, I can tell that people are not necessarily interested in me. They're interested in what I can do for them. And that actually plays into kind of like the loneliness thing, too, because there are people that I've known for a while who... um the relationship is different and it feels more like a um it feels very like businessy mm. and that's a weird feeling because i i like to compartmentalize like relationships there are people i meet i know through work we're we're friendly we're cool you need help i need help we got it whatever but there's a difference between being friendly with somebody being like an actual friend and for me once i let you actually in my space cuz i'm a guarded person right if you kind of betray that or you deviate from what I thought the relationship was, yeah. And there are men who, yeah. There's one person, I was dating somebody and I think he did, I don't think he liked me. I think he liked the idea of you. And I think he liked that my fr- his friends knew who I was or he liked where he saw me going, mm-hmm. which is weird. Um, yeah. And that does the idea of you because you it's are. Practice for the thoughts. <laughs> you are who you are. The calculating thoughts. I'm sorry. They are very calculated. Strategic thoughts. Yeah. Strategic thoughts are the words I was going for. There you go. Yes. Help the writer. <laughs> the strategic <laughs> thoughts. Strategic thoughts. Because I don't want to slam just thoughts in general because thoughts have a purpose. We all have thoughty moments. So yes. I'm not, this is not thought shaming. Everybody serves a purpose. But I think that 
you know, people get misconstrued sometimes, like, who you, you are who you are on social media, and that's who you are in person, but a lot of people assume that... Well, some people do not think. Yeah. Some people don't think that, like... No, I mean, people people I mean, think I'm short and quiet in person. Well, you... Now, when I first met you, Michael, you, you are was very... Mean. You are very, like, guarded. And you even just said, like, you're very guarded if I let well, you in. Well, let... No, we got, I'm not you the host, but let's add context. Um, okay, let's... That's true. Let's add context to it. I met you in a setting where we had a mutual friend, but the but the the every party there was not friendly to me. Fair. So, I came in at the end because I was the last one yeah. to arrive to the party. So you walked in, in a situation where I'm like, okay, I'm only here because I'm trying to be friendly, trying to keep it together because we don't catch cases in adulthood. And I'm deep <laughs> into adulthood. So that was kind of con- control like the harm Clark. Um... Always shout out to Houston forever, but um, that was me trying to contain myself in like some bitchiness, and True. then you came, and so I'm like, that's what that was. So it wasn't like I was, I was like, oh, like, and, and to be honest, because you did, I, I thought you thought I was mean. Well, I, a lot of people, and I'm sure this is like for people who you interact with on a daily basis. Um, when someone has a huge, and I know you hate this word, influence in this, like, or is the influencer media influencer type of thing and they get in a space with them it's like i don't know if it's worse than like being in a space with a celebrity or not because i kind of feel like people automatically are like oh my god i'm like around this person and so all they think is like they're doing anything in their capability to get you to like Ellie? speak to them and like him. and for me I was like I can read a sign when it's like oh if you're not with it you're not with it. And, then, and I'm not saying that's how you were but it's like I'm not when you are two authentic people when they understand each other it's like I'm not breaking my bag you're not bringing it back like we speak if we organically meet and like talk and chat and like kiki it up I'm great with that but I think a lot of other people get in a room and it's like oh my god that's that person who and they I they put them on this pedestal and assume that they're like that like they they're like a royalty where they won't speak to you. You're like a peasant. Oh, no, I don't yeah, want to speak well, to that's you. Delu- like, no, that's not what this is. That's the dilution of ce- celebrity where everyone thinks they're famous. Personally, I'd rather be around actual famous people because at least do work. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes socially, like actual famous people typically don't behave in the way as a social media person who gets a lot of attention. That's and true. I actually, that's and, what I think is worse. And I also think that that it what numbers are very much relative because what somebody think of mine like nice numbers are like minuscule to so many people that I know. I guess sometimes maybe the types of eyes that people have on me in certain places, I get that, but I don't pay that no mind because I still got student loans that give me stress. So yeah, like when I. Not even that. You are who you are. But one of my on friends, social media and in person. Well, that's also true. Like I'm not playing a character. A lot of people play characters on social. And media. I, and a lot of writers are actually not a no. A lot of, enough writers are quieter in person than they are than in through their work. But I fell into writing at least professionally full time. So I always wanted to be like on camera and do stuff like that. I didn't want to like just be clomping other things. So by default, I kind of have more of an outgoing personality than maybe people think. I can be very quiet though. I can definitely turn it off, which is what I guess you, you saw. Because <laughs> I, I do sit a lot. Usually in certain settings, like the first time, I'm just kind of observing. Like I can, I talk a lot, but I can be quiet. Right. But I think that that's the reason why it was the first thing that I naturally. Saw and not saying that that's how you are because Michael's not mean at all. That not saying that, but 
I'm an observant person too, and I think sometimes people may be like, oh, and I've had that. Well, people think I look unapproachable. Yeah, I had that all my life where it's like, oh, she has an attitude. Oh, she's unapproachable. Oh, she ignored me. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Sometimes you're just like, sometimes you could be zoned out in your own space and your own or thinking of a million of other things versus like being present at that particular thing. Or it's like, I'm just. Vibing and getting a sense of the energy in the room. You can't control other people's... I had to learn you can't control other people's perceptions of you. All you can control is how you react to them. So, like, dudes don't ever approach me. Everyone says I look unapproachable. People like you have confirmed that. <laughs> you don't know. You know. I don't know what the give is. But the look real. Like, I, I get that. I, I get it. Um, in some cases, I had to... Actually, a straight man was like, yeah, bro, you like you got wrist and bitch face. Which was very also progressive for a straight man to say. <laughs> but at the same time... I had to kind of be like, damn, well, what do I look like? I'm not walking around grinning, but I am polite. Um, I've been more cognizant of it, and sometimes I try to, like, rectify that. Like, I try to make sure I don't. But also, it's my face. It's going to look a certain way. And, it, and if you're not going to talk to me, I'll at least say hello. Or and with men, I always have to do the approaching. Mm-hmm. Men do not come to me. I think it's the... To your point, it's that mindset of like... That sort of changed recently. Uh, Although I got a sign from how this book is going to go. That's going to be weird. Because somebody hit on me and was like, on Facebook. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, What did he say? Somebody like, your writing is very sexual. And it makes me curious. And I was like, um, is it? Um, and I feel like that was a come on. It just, But I was like, abort. Like, you were just like... Mute, mute, mute <laughs> conversation. So I'll never see one of those messages again. But and I asked somebody, I was like, "Is that gonna like be happening more often?" He was like, "Yes." Probably. That's what I was gonna say. More than likely, it will. Because my book does talk about sex a lot, ish. A lot ish is not really accurate. It's either is or isn't. There's sex in the book. Yeah. Well, no, the book is about yeah, it is about sex and a lot of stuff. But yes. How do you navigate deciphering? People who are for you and people who just want something from you. I'm still learning. <laughs> I have a ways to go. I ain't really. I'm not anywhere near. I want uh, where I want to be. So I'm still in training. Training well is still not. Yes, I'm getting better. I actually am not. I mean, it it hurts in the moment. There have been moments this year where it's been bothersome. Mm. Um. Yeah, like I'm. I'm learning. I'd rather be learning it now than later. Facts. Because I know people who are much more further into their career and wealthy already or whatever. And most are happy. Some are not. And you can tell. And even those that are happy, you can tell how like, close-guarded they are. Mm-hmm. I would like to think I can always make connections with people and continue to welcome people in. So I kind of it's better that I'm learning it now so I don't become too cynical right. about meeting people and their intentions. The cynical one. Yeah, but that was always a joke, though, like the old blog. Like, I, was, I never saw myself as that cynical. I just couldn't think of a name, and I was listening to Prince. Um, yeah, it happened. But then people were like, oh, yeah, you are cynical. <laughs> Am I? Like, okay. I would like to think I'm getting out of that. Yeah, hey, it's a transition. You're growing. Not this week, but <laughs> next week, for sure. Maybe even tomorrow. So, being that fear is, I mean, failure is your fear, what does success look like to you? Um, my book does really well, and that opens the door for me to write more books, to write shorts, um, to get in the pages. What's interesting, well, I was going to say to get in the pages of outlets I want to be in, but uh, that's actually not 
it. I mean, there are, like, even, like, I've been approached to write for the New York Times by them, but, probably talking too much now, but um, their pay can be questionable <laughs> because they basically feel as though it's a it's a pleasure to be, and I've written for the magazine before, so I'm like, y'all got money. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I want to be treated with respect um, by everybody. And sometimes the reality is, like, even if I become, like, whatever, they still might give you, like, a so-so thing. Right. But I at least want to feel more comfortable about being in those space on my terms. And I want to kind of, like, ideally my book is a TV show. I would really much like that. I oh. get to actually do regular on-air work. I get to broaden how I communicate my point of view and my message, and I get to reach people differently. Um, my tax bracket, I will finally enter my dream tax bracket. And hopefully, hopefully have a good um, tax attorney because I'm very Ted Cruz about taxes. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, especially after they pass that bullshit tax bill. I'm like, I'm over it. Um, <laughs> let this bitch crumble. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, but so for me, it looks a lot like that. Like, I really have big I have big hopes for my book. Um, I just wanted to really... And I think it, I'm, I feel very good that it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's opening doors. Um my friend Nikisha always reminds me in my lowest of moments because mm-hmm. I'm again too self-critical. She said, "You've done everything you said you were gonna do. Maybe some of it hasn't looked the way you thought it would, or whatever. But mm. I've never not heard you say anything thus far that you haven't a- accomplished yet that you said you were gonna get. So you were gonna get the rest of this stuff, and you need to remind yourself of mm. that." Um, because I'm always encouraging of other people when they're down. I'm not really great with me when I'm in the mood. I usually try to just sit in the feelings, but just not settle in them. Um. I don't tell people unrealistically to like, oh, just think of something happy and go away. That's not really how stuff works. And somebody's like me wrestle with depression. I know that's not how it right. Sometimes you literally can't control it. And sometimes it is just kind of your perspective. But I like to sometimes just sit in the moment, acknowledge the feelings, ask myself why I'm there. And then get up. Because sometimes it's very hard to get up. And once you get up and once you walk and once you look yes. around, you do get a sense of relief and you just kind of keep going. And sometimes I forget that, but I don't forget as much as I used to. Right. I think the, the even the lesson of, of today, even the podcast, is like reminding yourself of your, your wins, whether they're small yeah. or not. Because I think that'll make, make you more appreciative and grateful for where you're at, but knowing that you want to continue to push forward. And something that um, I want to encourage everyone and even us to do, me and you, it's like next year I told myself, I was like, I'm going to do a gratitude little jar. You know, people like write on sticky notes and put it in there because sometimes when the year goes by, you forget all these things that you did accomplish and you have those friends to remind you. But it's like sometimes you want to remind yourself. And by you oh, writing okay. it down and putting it in a jar and then when those days come where you're like, Ugh, I don't feel like getting up as a child. There's days that I've been like that this year where it's been really hard to just like move, you know, like physically move and go about your day. Like having that jar to be like, maybe I'll just reach in and take one for the day and look mm-hmm. at it and be like, okay, I forgot I even did that shit. Because all this other negativity bullshit that's been yeah. like in my face in this current moment has taken, it has heightened, you know, or lessen everything else that's going on in my life, if that makes sense. Like, lessen no, all the positive things that's going on. So, that is what I would encourage, you know, 
for us to do next year and then also everyone else who is experiencing some of those uh, moments that of depression or not realizing that you've accomplished so much so many things that you've spoken to existence or that you prayed to God about that have came to fruition so that's kind of my little no thank you um and thank you again for having me and working with me because you hit me during like crunch time with the book and then as soon as I filed it I was very stressed it was like pre-stress finish it and after was like I don't know it's having to write about yourself and trauma is taxing yeah so I didn't really want to speak <laughs> for a second well I'm so happy that you I just wanted weed <laughs> <laughs> and like catfish and shit um in Popeyes, I've actually well, I don't go to that Popeyes no more. Popeyes has Uber Eats, so I've I've actually eaten too much Popeyes, and as a gay man, that's probably fucking me up in the game. Talking about this boyfriend shit, but <laughs> yeah, gays are mean. If I was straight, nobody would care. But Popeyes is good now. Popeyes is lit. Five, I get five spicy. Wait, look at me. I can't get it out. Five piece spicy strips. With the red beans and rice and mashed potatoes, or I just get the fries and mashed potatoes because I love carbs with a biscuit, and bread. With a biscuit. Of course, with bris- a biscuit. Yeah, well, I would end on that note. I'm sorry, no, but you know what? Now I'm like, you know, me who's not eating meat this year because of my health, oh, you health are scare. not right. And every time I'm like, damn, I could go for a Popeyes, a two piece, and a biscuit. Well, they got fish and shrimp. That's true. They have evolved. Get you the butterfly shrimp. There you go. I can go on the Popeyes now. We would in on that note, y'all. But thank you so much, Michael, for making time um, today to just chat. I know you are busy. I know you have a lot of things going on. And this year has been very taxing, I feel like, to a lot of people. So yeah. Even thank you for having me. Show up and, you know, have this conversation with me. is I'm very much so appreciative um, as well. And then I like to sometimes go on a tangent, but... I know I said in a previous episode um, about one of my friends calling me when I uh, was going through my surgery earlier this year, but like Michael and I actually got up for brunch in Harlem and he, I literally had like an emotional breakdown because he's like, oh my God, you're about to go through this like life traumatizing experience um, and how are you feeling? And I literally was like, I didn't have someone who just asked me, you know, like, how are you? And that's not something, not like how are you, but like how are you emotionally taking those things in? And so, oh my God, I'm being emotional. I think it's, <laughs> but um, I I just wanted to tell you like it meant a lot to me um, because it's, it's beyond like these platforms and this industry of work to have someone who is truly a good friend. Um, so I just wanted to tell you, I really appreciate it. The only reason I haven't gotten up and hugged you is because we're still recording. Oh but, God, like, like, I love you. It's, yes. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like crying. I, I was not ready for that. Um, I wasn't ready. As I a jazz a as, as, as a jazz band played in the background, which is, like, just turn on Mary J. Blige like everywhere else in Harlem. Oh, my God. No. But, guys, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to leave off with a quote because I'm, like, literally bawling in tears. But I hope that little tidbit uh, will satisfy my quote that I usually say at the end of the show. Um, without further ado, it's your girl, Phyllis Kia. I'm wishing you guys nothing but love, light, and many of blessings. And we out.